0: From Ridershed Press and The Abundance Media, this is The Ridershed. Well, it's one of my favorite times of the year and favorite months of the year. Probably yours, too. It's a favorite one of a lot of people. Under a full moon this October. Uh, quite a magnificent month so far. Um, and it made me think the other day about a quote from Kerouac, Jack Kerouac's uh, On the Road, the quote is The bus roared on. I was going home in October. Everybody goes home in October. I really like that quote. And today, in this October, Jack is on our mind a lot. You see, the beat movement is on our mind a lot. And that's why we have Jerry Simino with us today. Along with his wife, Jerry is the man behind the Beat Museum in San Francisco, the man behind the Wheel of the Beat Museum on Wheels. The Beatmobile, as it's affectionately called, is on the road this fall. In fact, it's been on the road pretty much the whole year as it celebrates the 100-year anniversary of Kerouac's birth. Jerry is living a bit of the dream right now. Most of us would like to be doing what he's doing, uh, doing this kind of travel and on the road. And, of course, it's a big metaphor for searching the core of what the beats were all about. So Jerry, it's great to meet you. I'm glad we finally were able to to uh, do this. You guys have been on the road and sometimes, you know, Wi-Fi is not good and all those kinds of things. So you're in Lowell, Massachusetts, which is like the pinnacle of your trip, really, Jack Kerouac's hometown. Uh, and there's festivities going on. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing now there.
1: Well, today uh, yesterday was the start of the program and it's a four-day event. And they've been doing this since 1988 here in Lowell. And uh this being Jack Kerouac's 100th birthday he was born in 1922 this is a really big event and I've been to LCK Lowell celebrates Kerouac I've been here five or six times over the years uh but this is probably the biggest one uh and fittingly so because it's got you know so much uh you know historical uh importance to it here today
0: right so you being the founder along with your wife for the beat Museum in San Francisco but what got you on the road? Uh, it like, seems kind of a silly question to ask for, you know, someone who's got the Beat Museum. Why are you going on the road? <laughs> but well, we, you're, you're out there with the, the Beatmobile, as you affectionately call it. So what started that process and, and uh, you know, why do that?
1: Well, we created the Beat Museum in 2003. And then in 2004 is when I had the original idea for the Beat Museum on wheels. Mm-hmm. And, i wound up buying an airstream rv not many people know that airstream actually made a handful of rvs uh and a trailer and toured the country in 2004 2005 with neil cassidy's son john allen cassidy he's been a good friend of mine for 30 years and we had a hell of a time we went all over the country twice for two years And uh, went to high schools, colleges, community centers, and they treated us like rock stars. And it was a blast. And so this year, being Kerouac's 100th birthday, uh, my wife and I were saying, you know, we've had the Beat Museum for 20 years now. And... um, yeah, you know, maybe it's time to revisit that traveling business that you did in the past. And this time, I'm doing it with my wife instead of John, and yeah. we're having a wonderful time. And and actually, we picked up a traveling companion right before we left. We've got a five month old puppy that's going with us. <laughs> he uh, has <laughs> how's, how's the
0: dog training going? Well,
1: <laughs> so the training is uh, sporadic, <laughs> but uh, she's really a great traveler. You know, we got a crate inside the rig. And she sleeps in it at night and, you know, if we need to, uh, when she she drives in it too, because she's teething, so we don't want her chewing things up. But mm. she's a great little traveler, you know, she really is. She doesn't get sick. She, you know, we we alternate drivers every 90 minutes, so it's an easy in and out. And uh, we try not to take too many miles every day. If we can limit it to two or 300 miles in a day, that's our preference. We've yeah. done like 600 miles a day, but we prefer not to.
0: So, but you have been you've been a number of really important places. I mean, um, with connections to Henry Miller and the Writers Museum in Chicago. Tell me where you've been so far.
1: Well, that's exactly right. We started on August 28th at the Henry Miller Memorial Library in Big Sur, California. And it's like a second home. We spent a lot of time down there. My wife and I have lived in Monterey for many years. And so uh we would go there often. We know all the people that run the show down there. And they put together a Kerouac at 100 and invited myself and some other folks involved with Kerouac to a big event on August 28th. And it it was a a difficult start because we already had a gig arranged in Tulsa, not not in Tulsa, but Oklahoma City uh, at a writer's conference. And we had to be there on September 3rd. So we knew we had to get from Big Sur California to uh, Oklahoma City in just a few days yeah. so that that forced us to start with a big jump but uh, we went to this writers conference and it was a terrific event lots of people signing up to be writers and then from there we went to Tulsa Oklahoma which is where the new Bob Dylan Center is yeah they've been in operation for six months it's a magnificent place it's gorgeous and we were treated like long lost cousins, because in in a sense, we are, you know, Bob Dylan was so much influenced by Jack Kerouac and the other Beats, sure. you know, he knew Allen Ginsberg extremely well.
0: Yeah, I so was friends to, with him. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so for us to go to the Dylan Center, you know, was a, a wonderful opportunity. And, um, you know, one of the things that we say often is that Kerouac and the Beats influenced everybody who was anybody, starting with Bob Dylan. And then the Beatles and then so many other big name, you know, superstars, you know, and, and uh, it's just gone on and on and on. And it still goes on today. So after after uh, Tulsa and the Bob Dylan Center, we drove to Indianapolis and we went to the Jim Irsay collection. Jim Irsay is the guy that owns the Kerouac Scroll. Yeah. Collection of magnificent stuff. He's He's got uh, Hunter S. Thompson's convertible that's famous in the you know, <laughs> story that he wrote. And so a uh, lot, lots of other things, you know, a lot of literature oriented. He's got guitars. He's got, you know, dozens of guitars that were owned by, you know, George Harrison or, you know, Bob Dylan or Jerry Garcia. And so he's got some really cool stuff. And then we went to the American Writers Museum from there. And then after that, we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in mm. Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. And that was a wonderful trip too. They put us right next to the Johnny Cash bus. And uh, that they, have- <laughs> and we read poetry and told stories about the rock and rollers that have come through the Beat Museum. Uh, we get a tremendous number of musicians that dig Jack. You know, Tom Waits has been there a few times, and yeah. Page with Led Zeppelin has been to the Beat Museum a half a dozen times. Van Morrison, Patti Smith, a lot of people, you know, that are household names, dig Carowatt yeah. and the Beats. And so now we're in Lowell and we're really enjoying it a lot and um now we're going down to maryland and the dc area after this we're going to hit some colleges and and go see some family and friends because that's where we were from originally
0: so tell me about why why this is uh why is it resonating uh why you know you could you could academically ask the question you know why the beats are still important but why why do you see it still resonating so much um in so many places
1: well i think It's because the Beats, lived. many of them, lived very authentic lives. You know, they uh, were not conformists. They were the non-conformists of their era. And the thing that they did is they influenced so many people. And, you know, every every civilization has its non-conformists. Every society has its non-conformists. Back to the Greeks and the Romans. And the Beats... Are important because they were the first group of nonconformists to come of age with radio and television.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: That made all the difference because their message went around the world. And the themes of the beats are youthful. It's about kicks and joy and looking for action and having fun and finding out who am I, discovering who I am, experimenting in different ways. And so they're very, very youthful. And so each new generation rediscovers the beat generation especially the hipper kids and uh at the beat museum one of the cool things is you see a kid come in when they're 15 or 16 or 20 and they walk in the beat museum and then we see them 10 years later when they're full-grown adults <laughs> and it's interesting to see you know how that you know happens with a young person and uh, because we've been doing it for 20 years so we see keep seeing the same people over and over during the years and watch them grow up it's very it's a joy really
0: it's kind of cool yeah Well, as someone who started the Beat Museum, why? It's funny to me in a lot of ways why there wasn't one there way before you.
1: You know, is that right? Yeah. In fact, when I opened it, somebody, a number of people in the first week said, How come nobody's ever done this before? Yeah. You know, I think it's because it's not an easy thing to start a museum. uh, And most people who attempt it, think they've got to go out and raise a lot of money and get a lot of artifacts and make something big happen and hire staff which takes a tremendous amount of money we did it on our own we we just basically the way it came about is I was looking for something new I'd spent 25 years in corporate America with American Express and IBM and I was looking for something that I thought would have real meaning because when I was in corporate America I always had the feeling that if I got hit by a bus They'd have somebody sitting at my desk the next morning.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I thought to myself, "What is important to me? What message do I want to get out there?" And there's a couple of people that have really made an impact on me. One is a musician by the name of David Amram, and he sure. was sure.
0: A- I've met David when I, I was a writer in residence at the Jack Kerouac House and in I'm Orlando.
1: Praying. Yeah, so yeah, and, yeah.
0: and I met the David family. there. Yeah.
1: Well, he is the inspiration for me to build the Beat Museum because. I saw David do his rap about telling young people to pursue their dreams, find a way to do what you love. Don't let your, you know, parents or caretakers who, you know, want you to take the safe course um, to talk you out of doing your passion, find a way to do it anyway, even if you have to work a day job and paint at night or do music at night or whatever it is. And, you know, you know, roost yourself in your passion. And mm. so I uh I thought to myself, David has this magnificent talent and I don't play music what can I do and how could I do it and I have good business background I've got uh, uh non-profit experience and, and other types of experiences so I thought to myself I could try a museum so my wife had a, a place that she ran a business it had some extra space and a separate entrance which she wasn't using And one day at the house, I said, "How about I just take all my stuff out of the garage? We'll put it downtown. We'll call it a museum and see if anybody shows up." And (laughs) that's exactly what happened. And it was very small. It was probably only you know thirty feet by thirty feet. It wasn't huge, and uh, but and it was just stuff that I had in my own personal collection. So a reading copy of On the Road and a you know some you know trinkets that I found or a hat that said Beatnik on it or whatever whatever it was just to tell the story and our local paper in monterey california which is where we started it before we took it to san francisco ran a piece on us and that very afternoon a man came in and handed me a red record album from the fantasy label lawrence ferlinghetti and kenneth rexroth live at the cellar it's kind of wow it's very cool wow i know and he just hands it to me and i said well you know this is worth a lot of money And I just opened up today. I don't have any money to give you. I can't pay you for this. And the guy says, I don't want you to pay me. I want you to put it on the wall. Tell the story. This is important. Mm -hmm. And I realized instantly that we were onto something. Because every day after that, especially at the beginning, people would bring something in every day. You know, uh, a a Mm -hmm. first edition of this or a letter that, you know, Corso wrote or whatever it is. You know, some people, people wanted to testify to what the beats meant to them. And they wanted to share that. And it's a great way to build a museum because you couldn't build a museum in a more authentic way than to have people who love what you love and come in and give you the stuff that they love, so they can share it with other people. It's a great yeah,
0: idea. yeah. And I think it's interesting because there's a there's a part of me that says the Beats wouldn't have liked a conventional museum, but they would have loved the ground up sort of authenticity of what you've done.
1: I think so. I you yeah. know. Who knows? I mean, Alan, you know, uh, Ginsburg died a few years before we opened the Beat Museum. But at that time, my wife had a bookstore prior to the Beat Museum, which was part of the genesis of it. And Alan used to call us because we used to do events related to the Beats at the bookstore. And uh, we became known as the Beat Bookstore of the central coast of California for a Mm. while. And so Alan would call us up and say, okay, here's how you find Bull My Daisy, and here's who you ought to talk to about that topic. And I said, thanks a lot, Alan. I really appreciate it. And he says, no, I want to thank you. You're continuing to carry the torch. And that was a great thing to hear from Alan Ginsburg. Oh,
0: my goodness. Yeah, that's really a great thing. So you you got more travels to do than back to San Francisco. Any other plans? Any other, I mean, I, I don't know if you can top this 100th anniversary of Jack Kerouac's birth in a trip around the country but what, what's next for the beat museum well
1: one of the things we're doing is we're starting a campaign to raise money to buy our own building because uh the building we're in is leased and we want to uh be in north beach uh, as close to city lights as possible you know forever i mean yeah. I have a I That'd be great. the beat museum ought to outlive you and the only way you're going to do it is you've got to find a way to control your own destiny, you've got to raise the funds to purchase property, purchase a building, and have a more permanent museum. And so that's that's our big campaign that's coming up. And so we're you know actively pursuing those opportunities.
0: So back to the the uh, beatmobile as you call it, um, or the beat museum on wheels. Um, what's it look like in there? I mean, is it, are you are you carrying artifacts around with you, or are you what what, or is it just an RV for a place for you to? hang out and then go to where you need to go to have a a discussion or panel discussion
1: interesting you would ask that question at this time because when i traveled with john cassidy we had a trailer and we lived in the rv and the trailer acted as a bookstore and uh we had panels that we would hang up and the panels would tell the story of the beats and the panels would be on the you know inside of the auditorium or off to the side of the museum and uh That worked really well for the time, but it was very labor intensive to set up and break down those panels. So this time I decided to um, reconfigure the interior of the trailer and have permanent exhibitions inside of the trailer that were kind of, uh, you know, locked in place with the plexiglass. And we would have artifacts displayed in the trailer that people would instead of coming in and buy books from the trailer, people would come in and look at stuff. Yeah. Well, the... uh, Well, the the damnedest thing happened literally three weeks before we were scheduled to leave on this trip, someone after 15 years of having the trailer in storage, someone stole the trailer. Oh, no. I I was blown away. And uh, it was not even recovered until after we left on this trip. After we were gone for a week, I got a call from the San Francisco Police Department saying, well, we found your trailer. I said, how beat up is it? And they said, it's pretty bad and you probably don't want it back I mean they, they totally ripped the guts. no out wow and fortunately there were no artifacts in it there were no uh you know there were a lot of books and various things that we would sell but we had not yet put the artifacts in it which was a good thing because we could have lost some unique items
0: absolutely and,
1: and you know it was it was heartbreaking but we got over it quickly we realized well you can either Give up or adjust and overcome, and we decided, what do we do now? And we said, well, we we got to press on because the story is in the presentations that we do. Yeah, you yeah. know, I a presentation about the women of the Beat Generation. I do a presentation. This year's is called Kerouac at a hundred: the myth versus the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got to do other ones. That this is the Beat Generation, more of an introductory and uh, the san francisco renaissance so we have a number of presentations that we do that can be customized for wherever we go and in addition to just reading poetry and reading prose and telling stories it's a it's a lot of storytelling and so we reconfigured the rv because uh, we had to you know carry in a much smaller space because we didn't have the trailer anymore so we we took out a portion of the bed and uh, just for storage of carrying all the stuff we needed to carry, okay so, so it's it's basically a rolling billboard as we as we travel,
0: yeah, yeah, so you've got oh you're in Lowell, you're about as far away from home as you could be right now, right? at the yeah. moment,
1: yeah, you know, we would maybe go up the main that would be it in the us, <laughs> yeah. but we're uh, down to Florida, I guess, but uh yeah, so we but this is this is such a magnificent place to come, as I mentioned. I think I mentioned um, I've been coming here five or six times over the years. I love it because when you come to Lowell Celebrates Kerouac, it's like you're coming home and meeting your old friends because everybody who is here is here for a love of Jack and his works. And so, you know, the event kicked off yesterday. I saw people I hadn't seen since long before the pandemic and uh, some I've known for 20 more years. And it was just great to catch up with friends and then tonight there's david amram's playing tonight so after we finish this podcast i'm going to be going out to talk to david so i'm looking forward to that and it really is and he's a he's a again he's a magnificent friend but this is a magnificent event um put on by people who truly love kerouac and his works
0: yeah and and i suspect you know lowell has embraced that obviously um What does the town feel about it? I mean, people coming from all over, I'm sure, to to come to Lowell for the celebration. The town must uh, just embrace that, I would assume. Well,
1: the town, I think, does. I mean, people who knew Jack when he lived here knew him as the football hero of the you know of the gridiron, and later as the guy that uh, many of them thought you know shamed the town with his candor, candid. Mm -hmm. You know stories of what it was like and and you know and his drinking really got in the way because you know many people obviously looked down on the fact that that he became such a severe alcoholic at the end so there was a mixed you know reception but i think once the town leaders realized how important his story to lowell is and the telling of it i mean alan ginsburg has a famous line Jack Kerouac made Lowell holy by his attention to it. And nice. I truly believe that because today when I was running around, I went to, you know, the grotto and I, which is a, a religious shrine with the stations of the cross that Jack used to write about and talk about when he was a kid. Yeah. And, you know, the stations of the cross would scare him because Jesus, you know, is getting crucified and it scared him to see that when he was young. And then I went to Lowell High School, and there's a clock there, a gift of clay class of 37 38 and 39 which was those were jack's classes yeah. and so he would meet maggie cassidy or mary carney was her real name the girl he was dating he would meet her under the clock at the school and so i just went there and stood and looked at the clock today
0: it's hmm.
1: so to be able to see these things you know this is not my hometown but i i know it well simply because yeah. i've read about so many of these things yeah so It's it's a mixed bag, but you know it was the front page of the paper today in the Lowell Sun. You know it was like the the Carowak at a hundred still draws a crowd. That was the headline.
0: Yeah, and that's absolutely true. True, and still still draws um, people from all over the country in vans and RVs like yours too. I'm sure. (laughs) You're right. You're right.
1: Well, Jack was the 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 father of the Beat Generation, and then. The values of the beat generation morphed into the values of the hippies and the hippie era. Mm -hmm. And the thing I like to talk about with young people is, this is my firm belief, everything that most 20-year-olds think to be good and true about the world can be traced back to the beat generation. Whether it's racial equality, whether it's gay and lesbian rights, whether it's gender equality, whether it's things like climate change, the Beats would have called it environmentalism back in the '60s or '70s. Yeah, but you know, they were writing about saving the whales, saving the dolphins, all those years ago. So, well, the
0: whole the whole thing with the Dharma Bums with Gary Snyder. I mean, there's a whole element of the environmentalism in that book, too. absolutely.
1: And Gary's yeah. still with us, of course, and he's still you know out there talking yeah. about. It. So so young people find those connections, and uh, I think that's a magnificent thing.
0: Very good point. Very good point. Well, safe travels for the rest of the way. Um, certainly great success and more more to you for all you've done. And I'm still amazed that there hadn't been a beat museum before you did it. But I'm so <laughs> glad you did it because, because uh, very frankly, you're passionate about it. And that's important.
1: It is. In fact, someone asked someone at the uh, uh, American Writers Museum, how do affiliates get started? And the answer was, typically, it is someone with a passion doing something you know you can have a lot of people talking about things you can have a lot of people thinking about things but if you don't take action nothing's going to happen and a lot of museums start that way with a single person deciding i want to honor this
0: yeah More well, best of luck to you and your wife and and your and your new puppy <laughs> thank you it. thank you jerry okay bye-bye You can read all about the Beat Museum in San Francisco at Kerouac.com and follow what they're doing on Twitter at Kerouac.com. This has been another episode of The Writer's Shed. I'm David W. Berner. Production and interviews for The Writer's Shed, always produced right here in The Shed. You can find out more about Writer's Shed Press at writershedpress.com and at The Writer's Shed on Medium. You can also sign up for our newsletter there and find us at Press on Twitter. We are also accepting book manuscripts for publication in 2023. Submission deadline is December 1st. You can see more about the submissions guidelines at writershedpress.com. All the episodes of The Ridershed Shed are available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.